Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. In one way or another, WPP and its agencies are responsible for one in five, one in six ads around the world. And I say to people, imagine the power for change if we can use this in the right direction. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure this morning to welcome Mark Reed, CEO of WPP, to Good Company. I've had the pleasure of building a friendship and a partnership with Mark over many years. I'm thrilled that you were able to make the time to join me today, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Michael, and delighted to be on your show. Mark, we're clearly at an inflection point. There's so much that's happened in our world over the last three plus months, it's hard to even imagine. But what I would say is, from the agency holding company perspective, there's a unique moment in time. I think this moment gives you an opportunity to kind of reassert and and redefine the importance of that strategic partnership. You know, we all can look back at what's changed in the agency-client relationship over the years. We know some of the good, we know some of the bad, and we know some of the ugly. But here's a moment where if there's ever been an opportunity to reassert that value proposition, this is it. What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, look, I completely agree with you, Michael. And and obviously, I would say I agree with you. But, you know, I agree because one, I think culture is changing so quickly and there's so much fragmentation in the world, uh, market by market and cultures and subcultures. At the same time, there there are movements like Black Lives Matter that are sweeping the world and clients need to understand them very quickly, you know, in a matter of hours, not even days today. I think that clients need partners who understand consumers and what consumers are thinking. You know, when we come out the other side of COVID, not all people are going to be feeling the same. You know, some people will be elated. Some people will have lost loved ones. Others will have money to spend. Others, you know, will have lost all their savings. So I think that really understanding what consumers want is going to be critical. And then I think that, you know, this has really been, you know, one of the, one of the you know, times of greatest innovation in the world. I can't think of anything that hasn't changed in the last weeks. And clients need partners who understand those changes and what to do. And, and I'd say, you know, I, I do see that in the conversations that I have with CEOs and CMOs, and we're ever more connected on these platforms. And so I think that um, certainly at WPP, we view this not, I would say, as an opportunity, I don't think that's the right word, but really as a time to get clients to really you know, reassess and assess how we can help them grow their business, innovate, connect with customers, use these new technology platforms and really get ready for the world, you know, that will be there when we come out the other side of that. And I think we have to, you know, I said to our teams, you know, we have to really work hard to help clients understand, you know, how to not just recover their business, but how to renew their business. And Mark, speaking of that, you're at a kind of a, a, a milestone as well pretty quickly here. As we come out of the summer, you'll have been roughly 24 months in your role as CEO of WPP. And needless to say, it's been an unusual 24 months in the market, uh, particularly this last 
few, but even the 21 months or 20 months before were not exactly for the faint of heart uh, in terms of the industry in general. Can you kind of elaborate on, on how you've evolved the holding company and evolved the company to kind of fit for what marketers need today? Because something that worked five years ago, as you just said, something right now that worked five minutes ago might not work now, but certainly the holding company of yesteryear is not the holding company of today because the client of today is not the client of yesteryear. How would you elaborate on that from the perspective of, you know, hindsight and looking around the corner as well? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, we've tried to be, you know, a partner to to modern clients or clients who want to succeed in in modern marketing. And um, I think that, that means we have to be creative. You have to have strong creative ideas. I think creativity is what makes our business special and, and it what makes us stand out, it what helps clients succeed. And I think they understand that even more. We, have to, we also have to understand technology because technology is changing the world. You know, like say, every company today is a technology company. If you don't get that, then you're, you're not going to succeed. And consumers are largely driving the technology uh, transformation of the world. And companies, I think, in every sector are scrambling to catch up. I think the third thing is we have to be simpler. You know, we've got to get rid of complexity. We have to make uh, scale matter, not size. You know, I try to talk to people internally about the difference between size, which is we've got lots of things, and scale, which is because we have things that work together, people get better answers. And then uh, culture and collaboration. And I really want WPP to be a place where, you know, people do well by collaborating, not, not do well, you know, by, by fighting, if you like. So we need to have, a, a, you know, and, and I do think that uh, people that have strong ideas and but, but respect for each other can collaborate. So I think collaboration has to be at the heart of, of the new WPP, if you like. Let's talk about th- that in the context and context matters, as we know. We always talk about, the, not always, but the last several years, we've spoken about the right device at the right time with the right context, with the right message to the right consumer. There's a right moment right now uh, around uh, the diversity issues that we're all facing. And, you know, my, my question to you is very direct in that all of us have to take responsibility for what we've done and not done in, in regards to that. We do not have an industry that is highly diverse and inclusive when it, when it revolves around, you know, race. It just is not. And that's a fact. We all have a responsibility to not admire this situation, but to do something about it. It's fresh, but can you talk a bit about what WPP is doing relative to taking the responsibility that we all have to take? Yeah, so, so look, I, I, I start with the same situation as you, and I, I look back on the last two years, and, and I probably have focused much more on gender diversity than racial diversity, and that, you know, I'm happy to admit that, we, you know, we should have done more to promote racial diversity. Um, I think, secondly, um, it is all of our responsibilities. And I think most leaders of companies have been through what I would call a, a crash course in awareness. You know, I've joined uh, three different safe room discussions around people that work for WPP. We did one in the US. We had a thousand people join, which was the limit of Zoom. We did another one two days later and we had three and a half thousand people join. We did one in the UK. I think we had close to a thousand people join that. 
And when you listen to the stories that people tell, um, you know, it, it's shocking and it makes you realise that uh, we will have responsibility. We have to do more. Uh, I, I do think that um, by the time this comes out, you know, we'll have made a, a pretty uh, concrete series of commitments as WPP. But I do think that we will, you know, uh, we will sign up to the the pledge that or the, the commitments that, um, you know, the 600 black professionals in advertising asked us to do to, to, to individuals that, you know, signed a pledge and they got 600 black advertising professionals to ask what, what they would want to do, 12 uh, commitments, and we'll sign up to that and we'll publish our data, um, we, we should do. And, um, you know, I think as a leadership team, we are committed across WPP to do more. I wrote to the CEOs or CMOs of our 10 largest clients and um, I don't want to name them, but, you know, to a, to a person, they've all said that we should work together on this and make sure that it's integral, not just a, a separate exercise, but integral to the way we work, that we should be representative, you know, in front of the camera, if you like, uh, and, uh, and behind the camera. And so I think, I think that's important. Um, we backed um, a black creative director called Keith Cartwright in LA, actually, uh, you should meet Keith. He's fantastic. I spoke to him today, actually. Um, he did a great uh, uh, film for P&G called The Choice about what people can choose to do. And it's on the P&G website. I encourage everyone to look at it. It's a fantastic film. It talks about you know, the choices we have to make. I, I've, actually, I've actually seen it and it's brilliant. Yeah, great. So, you know, you know in, in one way or another, WPP and its agencies are responsible for one in five, one in six ads around the world. And I say to people, imagine the power for change if we can use this in the right direction. So I think that it has been a, a catalytic moment of action for all of us. And, well, um, and my view is to lead to, you know, very much to lean into it and to, to, to drive change. Yeah. And, and Mark, you and I know well from, you know, contract negotiations over the years, the uh, acronym KPIs, we're all familiar with that. I think what we have to do, and I've been very staunch about this over the last few weeks, is create real KPIs for all of us and, and accountability to make these moves, not say it, but do it. So I, I, I'm happy to hear that. And I know you're committed in that way. Let's talk for a moment, though, about the brand messaging. So purpose has become you know, synonymous with, with certain uh, marketing strategies these days. And I go back to a particular campaign. And it was done by a WPP agency probably close to 20 years ago. And that was the campaign for real beauty that came out of Ogilvy and Mather, I think Canada, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was out of Toronto, yeah. Yeah. There's an ad campaign that impacted culture in a meaningful way. And I don't think anybody came away from that campaign, which still exists in different iterations, without a better understanding and appreciation for what beauty really means. And, and, you know, the idea of beauty is not only skin deep. And we saw it and it worked and it impacted culture. This is a moment just like that. We didn't realize it. To Unilever and Ogilvy and Mather's credit, you brought that to the forefront. This time, the issue has been brought to the forefront by circumstances uh, around the world. How are we as an industry going to help create that narrative? Because we've done it before. We can do it again. Are we seeing the client's desire to do it? And are we seeing the muscle of the agencies going after that superpower? So look, I, I certainly think we're seeing the desire by clients. I mean, we, we did some research that showed that, you know, 84% of Americans 
we'll judge companies by how, how they act. Now, maybe some people say that's obvious, but I think that I think that companies do well to remember it. And, and it says by way they how they act, not how they communicate. And so I think that actions, to my mind, speak louder than words. So companies need to act first. And if you act, I think you earn the right to communicate. And what consumers want to hear is what companies are doing to protect their employees and look after their consumers and, and, and act in the right way. So I think that, um, you know, so long as it's, you know, relevant to what you're doing, um, I, I think that, and every company should have purpose at its heart. I think it's absolutely the right thing to do and the right thing to communicate. It needs to be thought through. It, but it can't just be an ad campaign. You know, Dove earned the right over many years to talk about talk about that. I don't know if you saw the uh, hashtag Courage is Beautiful work that they did, uh, Ogilvy did, showing, you know, women working on the front line of the pandemic. But I think it's one of the more, you know, creative campaigns of the current time. Uh, but, but I think that it's not just about um, sort of corporate campaigns. You know, we, we did some work as well for Procter & Gamble. So the governor of Ohio called David Taylor, the CEO of, of P&G, and said, look, we need to communicate to young people that social distancing is important. They don't, they don't get it. And uh, David uh, and Mark Pritchard called Gray, and Gray in New York came up with this fantastic campaign called uh, Distance Dance with uh, Charlie D'Amelio, and um, this has generated 15.6 billion views on TikTok. It's like hard to imagine, right? It's like two per person in the world, which I guess given I haven't, well, I have watched it, but um, given I don't think my mum has watched it means that some people are watching it set more, than many, more than once, let's put it that way. Um, but it shows how you can use you know, new platforms, how you can use influencers, how you need to communicate in the right way the role of what we're doing. So I think there's many, many different ways for companies to think about and talk about uh, their purpose. And I, I just think we have to be intelligent about how we do it, really. And, and Mark, one thing we've been, you know, consistently discussing with our clients uh, as we advise them over the years, and I know you do the same, authenticity is so important in this day and age. So if you're not authentic, it's what you say. It's not just a corporate campaign. It's what are you actually doing? Because if you're not authentic you're going to get found out really quickly right now. But this, lots, of what companies, lots of what companies are doing is very authentic. You know, we launched a campaign for Pfizer, corporate campaign, Science Will Win through Gray. And, you know, they are playing a role. You know, they hope to have a vaccine out before the end of this year. You know, fingers crossed. That's a pretty important development, you know, or take, you know, a lot of broadband providers. You know, what we used to think was a commodity has become more of a, like an essential okay. service, right? A lifeline, you know. And, and so I think lots of things that um, we, we have viewed a lot, lots of what companies do in very different ways. And I, and I think that, um, you know, for healthcare companies, given the interest in health, now is a time they should be thinking about how they communicate the value and purpose of what they do to consumers um, in the right way. The same is true of, you know, grocery retailers, you know, frontline workers who work in grocery retailers have been really badly impacted by, by the pandemic. And so what those co companies do to protect their workers and make food available is, is really important to them. So I, I think that, um, it, that it's sort of 
all marketing should be purpose-driven in some way, but it shouldn't just be purpose-driven, if you know what I mean. I think that's how I pass. It has to be utilitarian as well. It has to be something that people can learn from and, and use. Mark, let's switch gears for a second. One of the things that's happened over the last several months is kind of the way we work. We've gone from shared, the shared economy, which implied shared office space and shared cars and shared Airbnbs, to this. We've gone to a shared screen. And, and what's the future of work look like to a company as far reaching, rather, uh, as WPP? Well, it's really interesting. You know, we, well, we've got 107,000 people now we sold, um, you know, 60, 60% of, of Kantar, but, you know, plus, plus associates. But I'd say, um, you know, March 16th, we sent everyone outside of China to work from home on a Saturday morning. We told them not to come in on Monday morning. And, um, yeah, I, I had some hesitation in sending that note. But the people have performed fantastically. When I talk to clients, it's as though um, you know they haven't even really noticed. I spoke to one of our agency CEOs yesterday who said, you know what, I don't think there's anything I do in my job that I can't do just as well not doing it from the office. Now, you ask yourself the question, why we spend £600 million a year on real estate, or $750 million a year on real estate and have all of these offices. I think part of the reason is we could never have done this if we hadn't worked in offices before. So clearly, we'll go back to working in offices. But I think that most uh, the most off, often asked question I'm asked in our town halls is, can I work flexibly in the future? To which I say the answer is yes. We just have to work out how. But obviously, there'll be more flexible working in the future. And I think that will be good for many people that want to do it. It'll be good for many working parents who will give them a bit more flexibility in their life. You know, at the same time, we have to recognise that for every person that doesn't want to go back to the office, there are people who really want to go in the office. Mark, as you're looking at, at talent now, and, and I want to bring this back, we obviously now have the need to be, you know, opening our aperture on diversity and inclusion, not only on gender, obviously, but on race and, and, and all sorts of ethnicity and background, but also the need to say, you know, if you're going to be working in this office, you need to live in New York versus live in Cincinnati or Cleveland. How about that? I mean, do you see the aperture opening for well, people well, to say? Well, by the way, Buenos Aires, right, where, where labor's half, half the price. I mean, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've tried for a long time to get people to offshore work and they say they can't do it. All of a sudden, like by definition now, it's offshore. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all offshore. offshore. We're all yeah. offshore, right? Um, and I, I think that's the really interesting thing about the way people are connected. I mean, at, at one level, we're all physically separate, but I feel probably more connected to more people inside the company and to our clients and to people like you. You know, I used to think I had to fly to Italy to do a town hall. And now I realize, you know, it might sound obvious so I can do it on Teams and get two and a half thousand people in and they get a simultaneous translation in Italian for people that, you know, don't, you know, don't totally understand English and so I think there's lots of ways we can connect that are that are even better. And I and I think that that's going to be true of talent. Now, I think it's going to be hard to manage, you know. Yeah. And then, Mark, I think I'd, I'd leave you on the following question. So you and I both wore that badge of honor of being road warriors. You crossing the pond, you know, more times in a month than you would like to count. And what I find myself doing is I'll be in a conversation like this and I'll say, you know what, we need to get together. And then I stop and I go, no, we are together. We don't need to get together. This is together. 
It's a different together. I, I, I'm sure you're finding the same thing. No, exactly. And, and um, look, I think I was obviously, I, I think I will still travel, but I think I'll travel for different reasons. When I go to New York, I'll go for three or four days. I'll see more people. I'll see more clients. I'll interview, you know, people I want to get to join WPP. Uh, but I won't sit in meetings reviewing charts because you know what? I can do that on a video, on a video call. Just like well, this. Just like this. Just like this. So I, I think well, that, that, I think that will be a big difference. But I, look, ours is a competitive business, as you know, right? That's what makes it fun. And there'll always be people, you know, who want to go the extra mile and, you know. Yeah, well, again, but here's, I guess, I guess the final point and the final question is, will that extra mile actually give you cred or does it does it go the other way? That's the question. And, you know, it's a fair question. We don't know yet. You want to tick all the boxes, but sometimes maybe ticking the wrong box actually, you know, has a negative impact. Uh, Mark, I know it's a crazy busy time for everybody. And, and I want to take a moment to say thank you for spending the time with us today and, and sharing your insights and your thoughts. You know, I applaud your leadership and I applaud the difficulty of navigating, you know, the world that you have to navigate at a time where we're dealing with things that were not part of what we were trained to do. So good, good on you. Well, thanks very much. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is hosted by Michael Kassan, chairman and CEO of MediaLink. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, chief brand officer and managing director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, vice president marketing communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich.